ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Found City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bot. Bach Lesnar, and we are joined again by Sam Kuyper Jr., our draft analyst. Also, I, I keep forgetting to mention he's also a Minnesota Vikings fan and analyst as well, which is why we talked about Jordan Addison for the last in the, in the last podcast. Um, so this is a continuation. This is part two of our Super Draft podcast. So if this is the first thing you're listening to, please go back to day one. Uh, we had a lot of great content breaking down day one: the drama, the good, the bad the ugly and now we're going to talk about day two of the draft um and for those of you that are listening for the first time the structure is we're going for the best pick that we thought happened on day two the worst pick that we thought happened on day two and the best value on day two so let's kick it off right now with day two um i'll start at this time since we've been bouncing back and forth with sam kuyper and recent incarnate bach lesnar for me, the, the best pick, I'm going to be a little bit, um, this is an easy one. I, at least I think it's easy. Jonathan Mingo going to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think I think Jonathan Mingo and CJ, sorry, not CJ Stroud, yikes. Jonathan Mingo and Bryce Young, I think that's a great pairing for the next five years at least. Like Jonathan Mingo, um, I don't think a lot of people had him over Jalen Hyatt or like, you know, in that top in that top, like four picks. Right. You had um, you had JSN, you had Zay, Zay Flowers, you had Jordan Addison. Um, who's the other guy I'm missing? Um, and, and Quentin Johnston. Right. Those were the, the like proposed um, round one picks. And no one really had Jonathan Mingo. People had him like a low round two. Sam, I don't know where you had him, um, but I feel like consensus was. Yeah, I think consensus was round two, round three. But the more that I started seeing film on Jonathan Mingo, he's he's one of the few guys that doesn't play that slot position like Zay Flowers, like Jordan Addison. Like he's a big dude that can get up for the ball. And for Bryce Young, Bryce Young needs someone on that team in order for him to excel in that position right away. Because unlike Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young's playing day one. And is is Adam Thielen really that guy? Is is DJ Chark really that guy? I don't think so. And now, is Jonathan Mingo going to be that guy day one? No. But I think eventually, if Jonathan Mingo really grows into what he can be and potential, kind of like Bryce Young, um, and what Bryce Young can make Jonathan Mingo, right? Like, we didn't really talk about Bryce Young, but I think one of the great things about Bryce is that Bryce... Bryce is an improviser. Bryce Bryce is a problem solver, like some of the best quarterbacks, like Patrick Mahomes, like Aaron Rodgers. Like they figure it out. So I feel like Bryce is really going to elevate Jonathan Mingo and vice versa. Like great guy can get up, has a high point on the ball, um, athletic, like a freak. And, and I feel like it's just it's a great fit. And I think um, and and I think it's smart of the Panthers to wait for round two to get a guy like Mingo. Sam, you want to go up next? Well, I, I do want to talk about Mingo just real quick, and then I'll, I'll give mine. So I, Armando, I, I agree that I like the idea of the Panthers going receiver here to pair with Bryce Young, a guy that you can say, hey, you're walking in the same day. Um, you're going to have the opportunity to grow together, uh, build that chemistry. I like that idea. I just, I, I like Mingo, but they picked him, what was, was it like 39? Um, yeah, 39. And, and he was... 87th on my my big board so that's just and, and i know that at receiver in particular there's a lot of difference of opinions in that middle group that reese referenced in in the the previous podcast that hey you got a lot of guys in here that are kind of good players but um when when they're all kind of in the same group how do you differentiate them um so Mingo, I had some concerns about his ability to to separate, but he is a big and physical guy. I don't think Ole Miss builds receivers any different um, than than big and physical. So um, I it, it could work out, and and I don't mind Mingo, and I'm willing to admit that hey, it was a really crowded uh, receiver room there. I just don't know if I would have spent that high of a pick if I'm Carolina, particularly when. You've traded away a lot of draft picks to go up and get Bryce Young. You could have maybe moved back and still gotten a difference maker at receiver. Um, so that's the, the the one pushback, I would say. So I'm going to, uh, pivoting now to, to my pick for best fit, I'm going to 
cheat a little bit and pick two players because I think that they're a package deal. And it's Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, the two tight ends that the Green Bay Packers picked. Mm. Um, which it pains me to to say that the Packers did something right, but um, hopefully I'll be able to get some digs in on Green Bay uh, later on. Hell, why don't why don't you why don't you throw in Jaden Reed in there? I mean, Jaden Reed, I, I liked as well, but I thought you know I'll keep it to the to the tight ends. Um, I'll keep those two in terms of my pick here. Because Green Bay, so Robert Tunyon departs, and he was never really uh, as big of a difference maker as Green Bay needed him to be. And they were really bad at the tight end position going into the draft. So I was not surprised at all when they picked Musgrave. I was, um, I think, initially surprised. And then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense when they doubled up and picked Tucker Craft. So Musgrave is a guy who's going to be um, the athletic um, the the receiving option. Uh, he he's not the best blocker. He's a willing participant. I think is what they said on um, draft coverage. So I I think if he gets healthy, he can be really scary. Um, assuming that Jordan Love is is a, a decent NFL quarterback, which we really don't know yet. Um, and then Tucker Craft is the guy who can do a lot of different things as well. Might not be the athletic freak that Luke Musgrave is, but um, He's going to get in there. He's going to do the dirty work. He's going to be the physical, nasty tight end um, that that you need. So I, I really, it pains me to say it, but really like those two guys and how they fit in Green Bay. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's, you know, I, I don't know if this is like uh, giving the middle bird to Aaron Riders being like, hey, now that you're gone, now we're going to actually draft Look at weapons. all these weapons. Three but, guys, day two, day three. Yep. Right. And, and like the fact that I alluded to, like, it, this was a very deep tight end class top to bottom. The fact that like, yeah, we're going to have two of those big tight end studs mm-hmm. in the second round. So you got some great targets to throw to, especially Kraft being huge. Didn't we say he was like six, 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 seven or something like that? You know, he's a, he's a big dude. So yeah, I six, think five, are, 254 pounds. So, you know, we talked about Quentin Johnson going to the Chargers last round. So now they got you know, three, six, three plus size dudes, which is, you know, they're growing a Redwood Forest. When you look at it, the Packers kind of doing the same thing. Now they've got two rookie tight ends. They're going to be huge. They have Christian Watson from last year, who's a very big physical wide receiver. It's like, you know, they're, they're getting some Redwoods out there in Green Bay. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what they can do, particularly in the red zone. Solid. Reese, who do you have best pick of day two? Man, this is going to sound like I'm just taking the easy way out, but I mean it. I'm going to go with Joey Porter Jr. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you got a legacy guy who's playing for his dad's team. You got a guy who not only, again, is a legacy guy, but is a very similar build and play style to someone like Patrick Sertan out in Denver. Both are about 6'2", 200 pounds, physical type cornerbacks. I mean... He seems like he's going to be a stealer. If the Steelers want to kind of recapture some of that like smash mouth, you know, steel curtain style defense that they're known for, and that honestly the organization has been lacking for the better part of the last four or five years, I think Joey Porter Jr. is a step in the right direction. I think if the Chiefs didn't need edge as much as they needed, slash did not draft Trent McDuffie last year, I think Joey Porter Jr. would have been like a no-thought pick at number 31 in the first round. So it's a bit of a bummer that we don't need him right now because I think Pittsburgh got a steal. But I really do think that Joey Porter Jr. is the one, I would say, definitive first-round talent that fell to the second round in this draft. Yeah, totally. I I had first round grades on Joey Porter. I mean, I didn't have Joey, Joey Porter as like the best corner, but I had him in the elite group. Like for I I had actually had the Steelers taking him 14th. Wait, no, they weren't. Wow. They traded into the 14th pick. Mm-hmm. I forgot what pick they were supposed to have, but it was around 14 that they were supposed to have. And I had I had them taking Joey Porter there, and I think they realized that corners were going off the board and that they were going to have a lot of depth in the second round, so they waited and they. I mean, perfect timing because they were able to get Roderick Jones in the first round and then they got Joey. So totally agree with you. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was Bill messing with the Jets again, knowing that the Jets needed a, a tackle. So they let the Steelers trade with them to hop up and get Broderick Jones the pick before them at at 14, because originally I think that the Steelers were pick 17. So 
classic classic bill sticking it to the jets yep solid all right um now we're talking about the worst pick of day two um i'll start it off again i don't know if it's the worst pick but i don't i just don't like I, I don't like this pick um tank dell going to houston on day three uh where is he at uh pick 70 too small too small as as, as i say in the draft or i say in our uh, on our found fantasy uh text for anybody that doesn't watch i think you should leave it's a it's a great show on netflix i forget the guy's name that runs it but he's a guy that got like fired from snl and now he like all the skits that didn't make snl he made i think you should leave then he won a emmy or something for it it's amazing anyway so there's a mean it goes too small tank dell too small i don't understand like okay so you have cj stroud right he's he's the face of your franchise he's gonna start day one this is kind of the opposite of what just happened with my argument for bryce young and jonathan mingo the only person that and and correct me if i'm wrong but cj stroud other than tank dell is gonna have robert woods and dalton schultz am i missing anybody else that is going to be with the texans that can like light it up I think we're waiting to see with with Mechie, who they picked last year. He had some uh, medical right. problems that um, I'm, I don't know the status of those and, and his availability there. Um, Nico Collins, another guy that they picked out of Michigan. I, I think he's he's still playing for Houston, um, but it, the cupboard is pretty, pretty bare there. Yeah, and it just feels like all these guys are wide receiver two, wide receiver threes. I mean, Robert Woods at his best was was a wide receiver two, right. and he has not been at his best. And I feel like if if they're banking on Tank Dell being that guy, right, potentially being the wide receiver one, or like you said, maybe maybe Mechie is going to be the guy. Um, I feel like it's just it's not a good fit. It's just a bunch of these wide receiver twos. And when you draft a guy like CJ Stroud, even though he has a great running back, um, if you don't give him a guy to set him up for success and you're just going to spam it to Dalton Schultz, I, I really don't think this is going to be a great fit for him. And I, I don't and I think it's going to hurt CJ Stroud in the end. And when you got guys like, you know, D'Amico Ryan coming in and and uh, and Casario is uh, I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Nick Casario. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and Nick Casario, uh, rumors that he was supposed to be fired, right? Like, like a lot of drama happening. Like, I feel like they're on the hot seat, and they could have made a better pick. They they could have gone out day two. They could have made it. They didn't have to jump to day, you know, pick three to get Will Anderson Jr. They they could have tried to get a guy like JSN, get a guy like Jordan Addison. So, I think that wasn't a smart move. I don't think things are going to go well in Houston. And and I think that I, I agree with your analysis to a certain extent with what the Texans decided to do. Because on one hand, Will Anderson was the number one player on my board. So them trading up to go get him and to get a defensive stalwart where they don't really have a face on that defense. Was for D'Amico Ryan only. Right. And I, I understand that. But instead, what what they could have done, and, and of course we benefit from from hindsight here, but they could have stayed at pick 12, um, traded back to, um, you know, maybe 19 ish, 18, 19, and then pick Jackson Smith and Jigba and give CJ Stroud a receiver. He already knows and who he's already comfortable with. And, um, then you also don't sacrifice a first round pick next year. And I, I think that there's merit to say, did Houston do the right thing here? Um, I know that they still have a first round pick next year because of the Deshaun Watson trade. They still have Cleveland's pick, but um, if the Texans are still bad and looking at their roster, including their receiver depth, as Armando noted, um, I just don't see Houston being ready to compete yet with the rookie quarterback. Um, so I would have been loath to part with a first rounder, but maybe to get Will Anderson. I, I mean, obviously that was, that was the price that they had to pay. Yeah. Reese, yeah, what do you I think? think it's a, sorry, I, I think it's an interesting pick. I think it's pretty high. Houston being one of those group of five teams, you know, that you don't really, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell if their dudes are going to translate. But I can tell you, it's very unlikely that the dude's going to translate if you're setting him up with a first-year head coach and a roster that's in like a complete nowheresville rebuild mode right now. I don't know. I, I see him being almost like 
a footnote, like a bar trivia question, you know, I, I just don't see him making a huge impact. And for a team that really made a big move, like you said, to draft two and three, mm-hmm. that seems to me like you definitively know you want to be aggressive. And like, this isn't being an aggressive move. This is just like a placating to the fans of Houston move. But yeah, I just don't see this pick in round three. Solid. Reese, how about you? What is what is the worst pick of day two? Dude, as bad as that was, the absolute worst, turgid, no brain, smooth brain pick of day three or day two is Jake Moody, the kicker took mine. out of Michigan. <laughs> Dude, I'm so sorry to snipe you. I was, I was, I was trying to heck? feed that to you guys. Yep. Dude, what were they thinking? <laughs> like, he's not even that good. It's like, this wasn't like this was some sort of, you know, generational Lou Groza type kicker. Like, let's say even, sorry, Mason Crosby, when he was picked, it's like, that guy can kick from a quarter mile, doesn't miss. He's a fantastic kicker. Coming from Iowa and Nate Caney, you got a guy who can kick it from quarter mile, fantastic generational kicker. Jake Moody, it's like, if you want to look at his draft, his draft stock and some of the knocks against him, weaknesses. Doesn't have a booming leg. Made just two thirds <laughs> of his kicks from forty plus yards in the last two seasons. Guys, in a in an NFL league where fifty yarders are no longer being considered long field goals, they're considered longer. But it's like you almost have to have a fifty yard kick in your arsenal pretty regularly to be able to be a competitive kicker nowadays. To be this kind of guy and go for him the third round? <laughs> this wasn't even the guy who won the Groza last year. The guy from North Carolina State didn't get drafted before this. So this it blows my mind because San Francisco and Shanahan are such a smart coach and organization mm-hmm. that it's just like, what are you thinking taking a kicker, let alone this kicker in the third round? What do you see? So I, I will push back a little bit. He did. He didn't win the Groza last year, but he did win in 2021. So he does have that under his belt. But you're right that he doesn't have the the, the big leg. Although he he did make the kick when it mattered. He made a 59 yarder against TCU when it was crunch time. Um, but I agree, it's way too early. That's why it was my. It, I was like, oh dang it! I know someone's gonna pick the kicker as the worst pick. Um, and, and I do have a backup, but it's just too early, especially when you look at the Niners picks, this was the second player that they took in this draft and they, <laughs> oh my God. And cause they didn't have a first round pick. They didn't have a second round pick. The, the first pick that they had in the third round, they used on Jair Brown, who I actually really like from Penn state at safety. And then they pick a kicker. It's just, it's, it, it's a, it's a bad pick and he could be good. Um, but it's just too early to be picking a kicker at this point. Well, and you saw the chiefs uh, tread water for like four or five weeks this season when Butker was out just by like picking up Jags from the practice squad. Heck Butker was a Jag from the practice (laughs) squad and they morphed him into something. It's do do you, is there somebody in this draft? Do you think that like they accidentally like misheard over the telephone (laughs) being like, yeah, we, we want, you know, uh, we want Blake Broody or like Blake yeah. Brody or something like that. And someone's like, uh, Jake Moody. Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh uh, yeah. Our pick's Jake Moody. I dude, talk up a good for him. Laughing it up with that third round payday, but good night, San Francisco going from Robbie gold to Jake Moody. Yikes. If we want to put our tinfoil hats on it, it's, it's because they're probably going to have Sam Darnold start and he's not going to score any touchdowns. So they need a guy to go out there Get three, get three, get three, get three. Ugh. Give us, give us twenty-eight points. No, that I, that's not divisible by three. Uh, give us, give us twenty-four points, Moody. Give us twenty-four. Dude, I would guess there's probably twenty teams in the league that if you said, "Here's our third-round pick at pick thirty-six, we want your kicker," they'd probably be like, "Yeah." And guess what? <laughs> that kicker's probably just as good, if not better, than Jake Moody. Um, imagine Cardinals trading Hopkins and then getting Moody for the for the pick. Sounds on that's brand. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the equivalent. That's really the equivalent. Uh, Sam, how about you? Worst worst pick on day two. Right. So my worst pick, I'm a little torn about because Moody was was the one that I was going to choose. Um, but this next one is less about the player and more about the the fit. Um, Zach Charbonnet, who I really like as a running back oh. prospect, but Pete Carroll just cannot help himself. He's got to pick running backs. He's got to he's got to stock the running back room, and he's like, "Oh, Rashad Penny left. 
Um, I, I got to make sure I, I restock the shelves. I got to make sure that we have plenty of guys waiting in the wings. And he could have taken a different running back. Uh, it was a, a decently deep running back class. He could have taken one later. And in fact, he did in the seventh round. He took Kenny McIntosh from, from Georgia. So it's not like the, he, he has a problem. And I really like Charbonnet, <laughs> but um, you, you invest the capital that you did in in uh, Kenneth Walker. He's the guy. He's, uh, I think, one of the most exciting young running backs in the league. And Armando can attest to it as the fantasy owner uh, last season. So I, I really as, like the player. As long I, as you suck, ladies and gentlemen, you just keep getting those you know, keep getting those guys that drop to you on waiver wire. Yep, keep getting that waiver position. So um, I really like him. I was bummed because I got a dynasty draft coming up, and I'm like, I, I don't know how I pick him. I don't know how I pick Zach Charbonnet knowing that he's going to be second fiddle for you know the, the foreseeable future. So um, that's, that's my pick again. Love the player. Um, just do not love where, where he fell. Yeah. I, I, I have a love hate relationship with what you just said. I love it because, well, no, I love it and hate it because I was a, a, like you said, Kenneth Walker, the third, he was on my team and now this is going to hurt is it's going to hurt him because now we're going to see this, this two headed running back, just which, which is different than what we've, we normally see in Seattle. Like you said, um, so now we're going to see probably a two-headed monster with Charbonnet and I'm sure, uh, Steve, uh, Steve, yikes, Pete Carroll, I'm sure Pete Carroll's doing this because everyone gets injured in Seattle. Like, you know, Penny did get injured. Uh, Kenneth Walker did get injured. Uh, I'm missing another guy. Who's the other guy that was there that got injured? He tore his ACL. Chris um, Carlson. Carson. Chris Carson. Yeah. He had the neck injury. Oh yeah. Too. Carson. Yeah. And there's like a fourth guy too. I mean, he runs deep, but I don't know. Pete Carroll, Although he's obsessed with running backs, he also has a curse with running backs with injuries. So I, I I get why he chose him. But as a guy that was probably going to pick Kenneth Walker in the second round of fantasy, now I'm going to have to push back and say, well, I don't know. Like with his injuries, like does this mean that that Kenneth Walker third is more injured than we thought? And two, is he going to see the same cowbell that we saw him last year? Probably not. Yeah, so sucks on that end. But I also get it because like the Seattle Seattle running backs. I don't know what they do to them, but things are not good in Seattle when it comes to running backs. Um, well, you know, you know Pete Carroll's curse of getting running backs and having been injured is like 100% penance for what he did to Reggie, Reggie Bush. Bush. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's universal That's karma. True. That's that true. plus it's the Marshawn Lynch thing. It's, it's like the running back gods are just like, screw you, Pete Carroll. It's like you're going to draft <laughs> running backs for all time now. Yeah, but, and, and he's aware of the curse and he's just, he's stacking them. So that's funny. Um, all yeah. right, let's do, uh, let's do value picks then. Uh, how about you, Sam? What, what is the best value that a team got on day two? I'm going to go with um, Osiris Torrance, the guard for the bills. Yeah. Um, Buffalo needed help on the interior. Um, Damn. They, bills. they, they needed to, to give Allen weapons and they needed to give Allen time. And, that was uh, really their downfall here at the end of the season um, when they couldn't do that. So um, I think that's a really good pick. He's a plug and play if he's healthy. Um, really liked the Bills draft, um, even though Buffalo Mike was a little uncertain. You know, the, the, the pushback that he doesn't fit the Bills scheme. Well, scheme is in part determined by personnel. So if you have two tight ends, you can start using two tight end personnel more often. And I'm really excited to see Dalton Kincaid. But independent of that, I'm going to go with Osiris uh, Torrance here. Uh, he's he's a guy who I think starts right away for Buffalo. Yeah, I agree. I was I was pissed when I saw him because I thought I, I had a, a round one grade for him. I thought he mm-hmm. was going to go. Uh, to the Bills in the first round. Actually, I thought he was going to go to the to the Bucks in the first round. The Bucks really liked him in the first. Um, didn't go there. Goes round two. Yeah, great pick. Uh, Reese, how about you? Yeah, you know, I, I think my value pick is the fact that uh, in the fourth round, uh, the Cleveland Browns managed to get Dewan Jones. Now, he wasn't my favorite tackle coming into this draft. You, you know, I've, I've told you my bit on, I think, the OBJ supersize sure. tackle experiment is kind of going sour for a lot of teams. And this guy's like, what, he's another 6'8", 350 kind of guy. But, I mean, you had multiple guys go in front of him, including Blake Freeland out of BYU, who we thought would be kind of be like a fringe fourth, fifth pick. And, dude, 
he's going before Dewan Jones. So what you have is you have an Ohio State pedigree type guy who, you know, is going to be a big, at the very least, run stopper for your team. So you got to believe that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are pretty happy about that. But I just think nabbing a player of that prestige that late into the draft and just having him fall into your lap, I think that's a rare win for Cleveland. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree with you there. Um, yeah, great, great win, great win. Um, I think, okay, so uh, my best value pick, uh, runner-up was actually Josh Downs going to the Colts at 79. I like Josh Downs. I actually liked him more than... Uh, um, than Mingo, I thought I thought he's a great uh, great guy, and I think it's going to be great for Anthony Richardson. Um, I like J Spears, also another run runner up. Love J. I just don't know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry, so I can't really say best value. But best value, Darnell Washington going to the Steelers at ninety three. Like I'm not a huge fan of Darnell Washington. Like I I wasn't a, a day one guy on Darnell. I think there's a lot of things that we still need to see from him. But he's in a great situation where you have P, um, Pete Fryermuth, um, who who I think plays very well and I think can be incredible. Um, but you have Darnell who doesn't necessarily have to produce like right away because you have Fryermuth there in in in, um, in Pittsburgh. So I think he has time to develop. Um, again, uh, an athlete that we haven't seen in the tight end position, like in this draft class, it's a great draft class. So for, for, for Darnell to be the, like Anthony Richardson equivalent for the tight end class, um, it's really exciting. And he's in a great situation where he can thrive and can wait to thrive. And, and you got a guy, you know, you, you, I mean, you, sorry, you don't have a guy, you got a team like the Steelers that does produce, you know, receivers really well. I know Titans not a receiving is not a receiver, but, but they, they know how to how to develop these guys, and I think he's just in the perfect situation that he can blow up and be a great guy. So Darnell Washington, ninety three. Yeah, I, I, to get him where they did was was definitely um, a plus for for Pittsburgh. And yeah, I mean, Fryermuth can be your receiving option. You bring in Washington as kind of a sixth offensive lineman. Um, you let him also develop as a passer or as a passing option. Absolutely, I think. Very good. Steelers had a very good draft, so absolutely. Sweet. Yeah, I'm agree with you. I'm agree with both you guys. I thought uh, when they did wind up picking Darnell Washington, I'm like, don't the Steelers already have a pretty good tight end? And, you know, they eventually, yeah, you know, he's gonna pair great with Fryermuth. I'm like, yeah, Fryermuth's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's not Hayden Hurst, but he's a he's a top, okay. you know, seven, All top right. ten tight end probably. So <laughs> re, re- uh, slipped that no, in I, there pretty quick. Yeah, I, I think it's a great get. I, I think Washington was one of those guys that I think was just a lot of people wanting to like almost be like, hey, I wonder if we can get this guy drafted really high if we really talk him up a whole bunch. You know, it's right. like a social experiment sort of thing. I think there's a reason he put up the numbers he did at Georgia. I know Brock Bowers was there. But I mean, I was had I was had multiple stud future NFL tight ends coexist in harmony before. So the fact that he didn't really shine much in the last two years, eh, kind of leaves me with a few red flags around the guy. But getting him as late as they did and in a position where he doesn't have to be like, as you said, the bell cow and he's got Pat Fryermuth there. I think Darnell Washington to the Steelers was a great pick. Yep. Cool. All right. Before we go to the last day, um, Sam, I want your thoughts on uh, the, the uh, talk of the town. Will Levis going 33rd to the Titans. What do what do you think about that? And, and what's the future look like for Will Levis? You know, I had mocked Levis to Tennessee in the first round. Um, so from a value perspective, getting him in the second, it sucked. I mean, the dude does eat bananas with the peel on and he does put mayo in his coffee. So he's not the most likable, but it's, it sucks to see a guy like ESPN just hammering him over and over and over again, um, showing his disappointment as he's just waiting and waiting and waiting in the green room. Um, but at the same time, Tennessee, I think, the Malik Willis experiment is officially dead and they wanted a, a, a different option there. And um, Levis, I think, is going to um, not be expected to start right away, which is good for him. Um, this is a weird Titans team, man. They're, they're in a weird spot. And, um, you, you know, it's it's an OK landing spot for for Levis. Um he, it's not a it's not a long uh, drive from Kentucky over to to Nashville. Hopefully, um, so it's it's fine. But I was never really a huge Levis guy too. I felt like I was 
uh, going against my morals and principles, rating him as high as I did. It was like I was telling myself, Sam, when it's a quarterback, you have to inflate their value, um, even if you don't want to. And I did. And that's why I was really adamant in our group chat. I do not want Will Levis as my quarterback. I was happy when they didn't pick him. And, um, you know, missing on a quarterback early on, especially if you're the Vikings and you don't have a second round pick and you burn your first one and you miss that quarterback, that's pretty detrimental to your team. So landing with the Titans, I think, is fine. Um, it's a nice dart throw for them. And, and, you know, if he works out, he works out. Yeah, I would also like to hop in on that and just clear the air on something here. So uh, I, I was a bit of a sheep for the last few months when everyone's talking about like, Will Levis is a future first round pick, a quarterback. I'm like, really interesting. I, I kind of disagree. And they're like, Will Levis is probably a top five pick in this draft at quarterback. And I'm like, man, well, you know, I bet these guys know they must know more about quarterbacking than I do being their professionals. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are things about Will Levis that like, I straight haven't seen over the last two Iowa versus Kentucky Bowl games <laughs> and a few Kentucky smatterings in between. No, I was absolutely right. And all these other NFL teams were absolutely right saying, like, are you kidding me that this guy is a first round, let alone top five talent? This dude does nothing spectacularly. The most impressive thing about Levis is his biceps and his ability to choke down mayo in his coffee. That's it. I said this a few episodes ago that this dude is Tim Tebow with a better throwing motion, and I stand by that. So the fact that he went in the second round around i feel for him it sucks to see a young man get his hopes up that high and have to wait i'm sure it's embarrassing i'm sure it hurt his ego but let's be real here the dude was never a first round talented quarterback you know this 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 pod is getting a little boring because we keep agreeing with each other so here i go hot take mondo you know what will levis is gonna be a stud this okay. dude's going to be a stud on the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. So, uh, you know, you heard me on the chat. And ladies and gentlemen, you aren't on our chat. But if you want to join our chat, you can subscribe on page, subscribe on Patreon for, I don't know, what, what did we say, 50, 50 bucks a month if if, if you want to add a, a, add someone else to our fantasy chat. Let's let's start a Discord. Yeah, let's, let's yeah, let's do something like that. Uh, donate on Patreon. Anyway, so on on our fantasy chat, I'm over here like the the Will Levis cheerleader over here. Um, uh, things that I like about Will Levis, well, actually things that yeah, things that I like about Will Levis. He had the same c- completion percentage as Bryce Young, as the same as C.J. Stroud, and he had no time to throw the ball. It, an awful offensive line in Kentucky. He had a new OC. If you look at his tape in 2021 he had a great season and then he gets a new OC and things just go into shambles he's got some great mechanics he can throw the ball off like crazy a howitzer for an arm so I'm telling you you put him in a great system like the Tennessee Titans you got a guy next to him like Derrick Henry like Tyje Spears you know he, he doesn't have to do everything he, he King Henry take the ball let me let me relax a little bit who, who else is over there um Traylon Burke I love trailing Burks. I mean, so many great weapons out there. Look, Will Levis, mark my words. All these guys are making fun of him. Pro Bowler in two years. Book it. Hot take. Wow. You can, that is a very hot yeah, you take. Can I have, have the classic one. Armando hot take. You can have that one. Yeah. I, I will say uh, it, was, it, was, it was getting a little boring, so I need to, I need to pump it up. Yeah, you got to spice it up. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Also, just a side note here. As I'm playing around and looking at you know like the all of the day three picks, it's like I feel like Cor- Colby Sorsdahl is like the Wish.com version of Cody Malk. Have you looked at this dude? I don't. I didn't. That was one of the names that when it popped up, I was like, I feel like I put in a lot of time to look at at <laughs> draft list. I had no idea who that guy was. Round five, pick seventeen. Like I bet you money, right? someone was like, oh sweet, that guy. Yeah, you went to the Lions. Yeah. I bet some of the Lions like, oh, sweet, that guy from North Dakota State's still here. Let's go get him. Like, no. <laughs> it's just like, he shows up at camp. No. No, like, who dude, the heck no, are you? that's the wrong guy. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, All right, perfect, perfect segue into day three. So so let's not do worst pick because, I mean, there could be a ton of bad picks in day three. Um, so how about we just do how about we just do best best value, best pick? Let's just do one of each. Or sorry, let's just do one pick. So like, what, what was your favorite pick of day three, Sam? Okay, if I'm only going to be able to do one pick, I want to do the worst pick. I mean, pick. you can pick a couple if you need. If you want. 
Okay. Oh, so you do have a worst pick. I, do. I was thinking worst picks not fair because there could be a ton of worst picks. <laughs> there could, but but go ahead. It. But it's Sean Clifford for the Green Bay Packers. There is no reason why he should have been picked that high. It's a disaster. It's a catastrophe. And this was the moment I was actually with friend of the pod, David Farrell. And it, it, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting. You know, the TV's on mute because the, the the house is quiet. He's got two two little ones and we're trying to stay quiet. And it flashes across the screen and he doesn't see it. And I look at him and I say, you just picked Sean Clifford. It was great for me. It was terrible for him. It's a terrible pick. I don't understand why they why they drafted him. I I don't know exactly what other Jordan Love were. ain't it. Uh, maybe I guess, but there were other quarterbacks. I, like obviously Duggan was on the board at that point because he got picked in like the seventh round. Um, there there were other guys on the board that should have gone before Sean Clifford, and it's a it's a terrible pick. But uh, other than that, the the one. Um, pick if I had to choose just just one. Um, I'm gonna throw out Charlie Jones, um, a receiver out of Purdue. He spent some time in mm. Iowa. Um, he got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, and I smell a Tyler Boyd replacement right there, where he's just gonna be short yardage safety valve, um, the the classic white guy in the slot who's reliable, and he's gonna drive. Uh, Chiefs fans nuts, I think, for years to come. I really like the Charlie Jones fit. Yeah, Armando, Charlie Jones is uh, he's Justin Watson, but like faster and more explosive. This dude's going to be a pain in the butt. Gross. I don't th- like like Sam said, I don't think he's going to be some like game breaking game changer, but he's going to be right in that Cole Beasley mode of like every third and seven. He's getting eight. And uh-huh. It's like, gosh, dang it. It's like we can't put one dude to stop this guy and not give him separation. What's going on? So yeah, get, get ready for the Charlie Jones nightmare train. Nice. Yeah, what about what about you right. guys? Yeah, I'll I'll jump in here. So I think I think the best pick of the of um of day three was actually Andrew Verrees. Um yeah. in the in the seventh round goes to Baltimore. Uh, where did he go? Let's see. Sorry, I lost him. Where are you at? There you are. Uh, the 229th pick. So Andrew Verrees actually on day two sent a letter from his doctor saying that he was back to health or he would be ready for, for training camp because he, he tore his ACL in the combine in the combine, but he had the best uh, I forget what it's called in the combine, the max reps. His bench, um, his bench. Yeah, his his bench was was he had a tour ACL and we all know, like, I, I know all of us are at the gym getting jacked. You, <laughs> you need your ACL and, and, and you need your legs to 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 go on the bench. And he does. He does the most reps out of any rookie with a torn ACL like this dude is great. I mean, not not the most impressive season at USC. Again, a team that I follow. Um, the One of the reasons why Caleb Williams is so great is because his offensive line is so bad. And he's able to just make, you know, beautiful plays. But Andrew Varese is like, he's a powerful run blocker, something that like that, that the, uh, that the Ravens, you know, really admire. And that's something that their, their playbook has um, it, it, a, a big guy, heavy hands. He's able to knock the defender. So not that this guy's going to start next year, but like he could absolutely be a starter in Baltimore and you, and you get him in round seven. I think that's a great pick. Um, unfortunately, because I don't like the Ravens. Um, before I pass it over to you, Reese, just some runners up um, that I liked. I like um, Kayshawn Booty. Am I saying his name right? Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah. I know. I know you guys had talked about him on the podcast the week before, um, but the Patriots get him like again, a, an, an organization. I know he has some issues, but an organization that can, you know, doesn't put up with crap. Right. So like he goes to an organization that he can thrive in. I think that'd be great. Um, also, A.T. Perry going to the Saints, like love A.T. Perry. I know, Reese, you like A.T. Perry as well. Um, and then Deuce Vaughn going to the Cowboys. I think that's great, too. Yeah, I'm going to tag team in on here. Uh, so first off, I was mistaken. I thought we were lumping our two and three day guys together, which is why I took Dewan Jones as my uh, oh, as yeah. my value due for the last yeah, go around. So my apo- it's fine. apologies he's, he's on that one. I four. Yeah, high floor, high floor. Uh, so I, I actually was going to say uh, the Saints getting A.T. Perry this late in the draft. Uh, there was a certain point when I was watching and I'm like, oh, A.T. Perry's still on the board. You know, I'm like, this is probably like one of the biggest, tallest go up and get a receivers in the draft. I'm like, if the Chiefs can sneak him late and add him in essentially as, you know, like a 
a second, much smaller tight end, so to say. It's like, I'd be super happy about that. So to see the Saints get him is a bit of a bummer because I know the Saints quarterback situation right now is very nebulous at best, and I'm sure he's just going to be like wasted and wither on the vine there. But I do think he's a fantastic value pick for being picked up that late in the draft. In terms of like LOL, lols, joke picks, I got to take this opportunity to dunk on my friends at Iowa State with Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, he's another guy that I don't think is going to wind up doing anything. And I mean, we, we talked about it just like a few rounds ago when like Houston drafted that other receiver from Houston. who was just like, yo, this guy's not going to do anything for you. So I think they're just kind of like taking flyers on like wide receivers, be they big 12 or yeah, basically. So yeah, not, not the best pick, not the worst pick. I just don't see this really amounting into anything. All right, that's fair. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about on day three that I missed? Any any hot topics? Um, only other honorable mention that I would say is Zach Kuntz, the tight end uh, from Old Dominion. Um, he got picked by the Jets late. His athletic score, I think, was one of the highest, if not the highest that's ever been recorded. Um, just a, a freaky wow. athlete. Um, so... Taking a lottery pick, a lottery ticket there for for the Jets late. I really like that one as well. No, Zach Coons, yeah, it's, he's a great get. Six seven, two fifty five. You know, he could be a could be a sleeper guy that winds up just being a giant target for you, or like a yak monster or something like that. Because as Sam mentioned, like he's strong as a yak. You know, he's putting off the <laughs> charts numbers and. You know, coming into this draft secretly, I was kind of like, I wonder if the Chiefs might like hope this guy is late in the draft at like five and six and have him be their Kelsey replacement, you know, because like I said, Kelsey was a third round pick out of Cincinnati, so they're not going to go big, not going to go flashy. All right, before we do way too early predictions, let's do draft grades. Um, who who drafted the best? Who drafted the worst? Reese, why don't you go first? Who who had the best draft? Um, you know, I think the Steelers had a very good draft getting some of the guys we talked about already with Joey Porter Jr. I don't know Washington amongst a lot of others. I think that team though is still going to be hamstrung by the fact that Kenny Pickett is not it at corner at quarterback. And I think they're going to spend about four years, at least three years before they totally figure that out and have to start hitting the drawing board again. Uh, I mean, as much as I dunked on him, I think I have to give a shout out to the Eagles for drafting very well. Whether or not the strategy actually winds up panning out for them remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can't deny that on paper they nabbed a lot of good defensive players from a school that had a very good defense over the last two years. So I have to give a shout out to them. Uh, yeah, I would say those are probably my uh, top two of this draft. Uh, yeah. Sweet. Sam, how about you? And you, you don't have to pick a new winner if if you can, if you have a consensus winner, that's cool too. No, I, I, I'll... I'll um... Echo and and cosine Reese's picks, the Eagles and Steelers, I think both had had really good drafts, um, but I'll, I'll choose some different ones. You know, I just talked about Charlie Jones. I know that you guys probably don't want to hear this, but Cincinnati had a sneaky good draft with Miles Murphy, Ooh. DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, Charlie Jones, Chase Brown. Yeah. These are all guys I really like. I think Chase Brown, you know, you we talk about the Samaj P. Ryan departure. Well, Chase Brown, I think, is is the heir apparent to that. Um, and we don't know exactly what the future of Joe Mixon is going to look like. Um, so Cincinnati, I think, had a really, really good draft. <clears throat> really, really good draft. Um, and, and I like what they did. Um, other teams, I'll, I'll throw out the Colts. You know, we, we touched on Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, Chris Ballard in Indy is really just looking for the freak athletes. Um, you know, Julius Brent, Blake Freeland, Adetomia, Adebarue, I hope I'm saying that yeah. correctly. Again, the freaky athletes, they're all about them in Indy. Um, and then, Armando, you also touched on Josh Downs. I was really um, unhappy with the state of Indy's um, receiver group and getting a guy like... Um, like downs, I think is going to add some, some, uh, a, a different gear for that offense and another weapon for Richardson. So the Colts, I would say also should, should get some recognition. 
All right, solid. Um, I mean, I, I think the Eagles are, are the easiest pick right here. I mean, mm-hmm. just like we've talked about, not only do they get um, Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, but we talked about Keely Ringo. Love Ringo, and they get Ringo in the fourth round. Um, also like Sidney Brown. I thought Sidney Brown's great in Illinois, like we talked about. Illinois had a ton of people in their secondary that were getting drafted. A, a great a great place to mine a lot of these safeties and these cornerbacks. Um, so it, it looked like... Eagles Eagles just loading up like it's not fair and like the Eagles should not be able to load up like this after being Super Bowl contenders and then of course them just getting DeAndre Swift today or yesterday yesterday right yeah yeah I think they, they get they get DeAndre Swift yesterday I mean just just like they're they're ready to play smart draft I know some fell to them but Keely Ringo didn't like Keely Ringo fell to them but like they still had to take them you know what I mean and yeah. same with Sidney Brown I liked him um and how about the Seahawks I think the Seahawks had a great draft okay. I know we talked about Charbonnet but look they get Witherspoon they get Jackson Smith and Jigba like I don't know how long Tyler Lockett's going to be there um I think this is a great replacement for him but also a guy that can be the three and a guy that you know Geno Smith now has you know this is this is geno smith's league to lose he has so many weapons around him now like there's there's no excuse for this guy he's got a ball out he balled out last year and now he has even more weapons in charbonnet and jackson smith and jigba like i think i think it's going to be a great offense i know that's a little contentious but i think they're going to ball out not only that but i also like um who else like Derek hall i like Derek hall and in the second second round um i actually had i projected Derek call uh the the chiefs taking Derek hall in the first round and a few of my mocks um like cameron young as well in the fourth round so i think they drafted pretty well minus the charbonnet i know that a little too high um for running back but, still but a good again player. that's Pete carroll yeah abs- yeah exactly great player um yeah. geno smith you got all the weapons good luck dude all right you know what uh- I think it'd be uh, I think it'd be unbecoming of us not to give a shout out as well to the L.A. Rams uh, for having like 11 or 12 day three draft picks (laughs) to fill out that turgid roster. There is in which they sold their soul to get a Super Bowl. Uh, I think they should be very excited, especially for punter Ethan Evans out of Wingate, a guy so relevant that NFL. Wingate. uh, So what is it? Wingate. Wingate, Yes. I I was just reemphasizing you for saying it because what a what a win it was for all of us to get that. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy so special that he doesn't have a headshot on ESPN or uh, NFL.com. He doesn't even have his hometown listed. No production score, athleticism score, or total score, which ranks him number one in punters in the 2023 class. And uh, his grade is no grade, likely needs time in developmental league. So give him a year with the Seattle Battlehawks to, or sorry, uh, St. Louis Battlehawks and the Seattle Dragons (laughs) to cook it up. And uh, this guy could be causing some serious trouble out there in Los Angeles. Did you see what PFF had on him when he got when he got picked? What their profile was? Yeah, what they said. I don't remember what it was word for word, but it was something along the lines of, um, "This is a not. This is like a, a a late day three prospect, if any, or this is like not an elite prospect. He's a division two punter, and that was it. Like they're just like he's a D two punter. Like what do you want us to say? He's he's not that good. And that was all they had. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, not not great. Yeah, I th- I think the loser of the fantasy football or fountain fantasy next year like should have to get a not like a Chinese knockoff. Yeah, Ethan Evans Rams jersey. I love it. <laughs> we could. I'm I'm sure Reese and I can go into Google or go into our uh, hdgate.com and we can find that that jersey pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah, dude, I, I bet. Even, and they'll like leave a message us like back to be like, "Yo, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a mistake?" <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, so that, so that was Reese's loser. I think, uh, Sam, what, what is your, uh, loser in the draft? I'm going to go with the Washington commanders. Um, uh, I was going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I just, so, so they pick Emmanuel Forbes in the first round and I, I like Emmanuel Forbes as a prospect, but Christian, uh, Gonzalez was still on the board at this time and they passed and he was my fifth, prospect overall uh, number one corner and the the thing with Forbes <clears throat> this guy is is so small so thin I think he's a uh, 166 is what he weighed in at that's that's oh my really gosh. really slight I the folks over at the ringer at the ringer draft were calling him flat Stanley 
Um, and <laughs> he, he's just a really small guy. And then, um, you know, Quan Martin, I like out of Illinois. Again, we've talked about the Illinois secondary, but I just did not love their draft. I don't think that this moves the needle for Washington really at all. Where Where is Washington right now? What What are they doing? I, we don't know. Sam this, Howell, baby. Yeah, it's Choo-choo. Sam Howell. It's Jacoby Brissett. Um, I, I guess, you know, they're going to sell the team and maybe the new owners will have a new direction. I don't know. It just feels like this franchise has been aimless and adrift for a really long time. So I'm going to go with Washington. Some interesting picks in there. I don't dislike the Braden Daniels pick or KJ Henry, um, but just a, a lot of shoulder shrug and move on. And another season of Washington being the cellar dweller, the doormat in, in the NFC East. But you know, Eric Bieniemy and Caleb Williams can be freaking wild. Yes, next year, next year when when they're so bad and they tank, which is although I don't know, is it even legal for an NFC team to get uh, a talent like Caleb Williams? I think he has to go AFC by law. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, although, I mean, it's, it's going to be him or the it's going to be them or the Rams. Like, it's just not good. No, dude, the Rams don't draft. The Rams will acquire Caleb Williams. Like, hey. Yeah, you, you, your quarterback you drafted last year will give you four first round picks <laughs> and uh, Sean McVay for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, my my loser is the Miami Dolphins. So my, Miami has to forfeit their first pick, right, because of the whole like Tom Brady tampering, and they only got four picks. And they, I, I thought they have like two good picks, but not necessarily places of need. They have Cam Smith in the second round, and the third round they get um, a chain to. Devin A chain from Texas A&M running back, but the, the, uh, the uh, dolphins do this like three headed running back, like, like the 49ers do. So to get a guy like, like Devin A chain, when they have other guys and, and they, they plug in like whoever, and they're always successful there. It just doesn't seem like a position of need, especially when you only have four picks in the entire draft. It doesn't make any sense to go there. And then they get, they get a, a wide receiver and then an offensive lineman in this, in the seventh round. Um, um, just not not a great draft and into their own demise, right, for forfeiting that pick for tampering for Tom Brady. So take the L, Tyreek Hill, take the L, Miami Dolphins. All right, let's let's wrap this up then. We're having a fun time, so let's do this. Um, way too early, offensive rookie of the year. Reese, I'll start with you. Uh, man... Offensive rookie of the year. I'm probably going to have to go with the easy answer of Anthony Richardson. I think Ooh, in a division. Is that the easy answer? Ooh, that's spicy. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it this way for a team that is in such a bad space and has been just like thirsting for any sort of quarterback talent since Andrew Luck left, and in a very milk toast division that has a questionable Jaguars team as the cream of the crop. If he can take him to the playoffs, even if he can take him to the playoffs and not get embarrassed in the wild card round, I mean, with all those narratives playing into each other, which I think is possible, it's like, how do you not give someone like that offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I, I, I get it from the perspective of you have the, the quarterbacks are typically the guys who have the inside track to go and win these awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I totally am with you there. Um, Yeah, I just I think that the uncertainty about whether or not he's going to start is is one question. And it seems like he is. But it seems more of a consensus that, hey, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are going to start day one. So are those guys, do they just have a a higher chance? They're going to have more exposure. They're going to play more games. Maybe. But. The guy I was thinking was the the favorite was B. B. John Robinson, um, and yeah, he's my number two. And I did I checked I checked the odds um, for offensive player of the year for for rookies, and it was B. John at uh, was was the best odds. Then um, Bryce Young, then Stroud and JSN tied at plus seven hundred. Really? Then. Jameer Gibbs and Richardson tied at plus 900 and then um, Jordan Addison. So I'm going to be a homer and pick Jordan Addison. I don't think that he, he is actually going to do it. 
Um, but I will say surpasses Justin Jefferson, perhaps. I don't think he'll surpass wow. Jefferson, but I think having Jefferson as kind of this like weapon that everybody's definitely afraid of is going to do wonders for Kirk and say, hey, I have a legit guy who's not Adam Thielen and, and who's clearly lost a step. I have this new, young, talented player that knows um, how to run smooth and efficient routes. And um, yeah, why not? I'm going to pick Addison. I don't I don't think he'll actually win. He's not going to be the number one receiver in that offense. So it's hard. There's not a lot of, um, uh, you, you know, flash there if he is playing second fiddle. But I'm this is where I'm allowing myself to be a homer today. Hot, hot take Kuiper. That's what we've been there waiting for for seven hours, go. man. We just we need all the hot takes here. We do. And to to ride on hot take Sam Kuiper's coattails, I'm going to do a hot take as well. How about Jonathan Mingo? How about how about if this actually works out day one? Right. How about. How about if who's his quarterback? Bryce Young. How about him and Bryce Young just connecting day one, balling out? Jonathan Mingo, he's a freak. He's going up to get it. He's like DK Metcalf, but better. He's got okay. a, you know a thousand plus passing <laughs> passing yard season. Jonathan Mingo, offensive rookie of the year. Book it here. Put five dollars on it and win five grand. Oh man, that's actually. Uh... I like the idea of five dollars for five grand, but I, I don't know if those are the odds. Is, but but if you another argument is that he is the only like wide receiver one in the draft, right? Everyone else is going to be a wide receiver two on their team. It's not that he he has to be necessarily amazing. Just like Garrett, like Garrett Wilson's great. I don't think Garrett Wilson was amazing, but Garrett Wilson was the cowbell on his offense. You know, he's the one just getting a ton of yards. So I think Mingo can play that same role, and like he doesn't have to be. Uh, DK Metcalf like I just I can argue against myself like Skip Bayless um, so he doesn't have to necessarily be that guy he's just going to get a lot of reps he's going to get those catches I can tell you as a fantasy owner last year uh, either they don't have a rapport or Geno Smith does not care throwing to DK Metcalf as much as you might think yeah I know he's not a great fantasy player I agree he prefers Lockett he prefers Lockett so which is strange, yeah. I'd, I'm, and even before Gina, it was like that as well with with Russell Wilson. Like DK wasn't going off on fantasy. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I'd, I haven't dissected their offense. Because uh, Lockett's a better receiver. <laughs> ah, another podcast yeah. for another day. We'll have you back on for that, Sam. Um, all right. How yeah. about uh, how about defensive rookie player of the year, Sam? You first. Okay. Um, I'll I'll go chalk here. I'll I'll do the easy the easy take and go with Will Anderson. You know, he's he's going to start right away for Houston. He's going to be the big name. People are going to have name recognition, familiarity with him. So I'll go Anderson and I'll leave the the subsequent hot takes for for you guys. Yeah, I'm going to say Jalen Carter just because I think that the Eagles have more talent on the defensive end than Houston does overall. They play in a bigger, flashier market in the loudest division in the NFL. So I think Jalen Carter has a better platform and a better opportunity overall to sneak and get that defensive player or often defensive rookie of the year. Excuse me. All right. How about how about I'm hot taking? How do we go? Jay Campbell. How would Jay Campbell get in defensive rookie of the year? Because even though even though so the reason why people don't like Jay Campbell is because like uh, Detroit already has a linebacker in uh, Alex Alanzoni. But but Jay Campbell is a toolsy guy. He can do a lot of different things. So what if what if Detroit, who is who is the darling of the league? What if what if the (laughs) your darling for Jake? He's the darling of the league. The Detroit Lions are the darling of the league, man. So look, Jay. Jake, Jake Campbell, he's probably one of the most athletic players in the draft. I think we can all agree, but it's it's just, you know, how does he fit into a system? Why would they draft a linebacker so high in the draft? But again, he's he, he's a freak. He can play so many different things. I think Detroit has something cooked up there. I think they can put him in so many different schemes and make it work and make him stand out on that amazing Detroit Lions team. Put one dollar on him, make five grand. Jack Campbell. See, if I had to do a, a long shot bet for an Iowa Hawkeye rookie in the NFC North, it would not be Campbell. It would be Van Ness. 
I I think there's a chance that Van Ness gets worked into this rotation, and that dude, I I actually um, I'm pretty sure I commented somewhere on Reddit like the the post was, hey, who from your college do you definitely not want to see go to an opponent in the NFL? And I was like, oh, definitely Van Ness, and sure enough, he's playing for the Packers. So that's that's a, a the long shot that I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna look that 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 way. Yeah, dude, Van Ness is just like, all right, so we have Clay Matthews, but like built into a bigger, faster frame. It's just, he's, he has the potential to be a nightmare. All right, any anything else that I missed? Anything else you guys want to talk about before we end the pod? I think it was, a, it was an interesting draft. I think there were, for being, like I said, a kind of mid-talent pool this year, I think there were a few interesting stories and a few interesting surprises, like, Richardson at four, like Levis getting drafted in the second round, like the run of wide receivers in the first round, like some of the players that, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs wound up taking late in the draft. I think there were some fun and interesting stories. Uh, I Will this draft stand the test of time and be like the, uh, what is it, the 96 NBA draft or the 2003 NBA draft? Nah, eh, probably not. But you know, for being a Kansas City and getting to experience it, it gets a little bit of a, a bonus point on my part as well. So, yeah, I think it's fun. And I tell you what, I'm already looking forward to next year's draft, man. It's a it's an addictive disease. It really is. Um, and yeah, I, I would say to to repeat what Reese said, it was. While it wasn't, you know, maybe the most loaded draft, we also lucked out that it wasn't the worst draft. You know, it wasn't like like there were quarterbacks here at the top that were worth drafting. I think that was really, really fun and important. That would have been maybe not as exciting if Kansas city had the draft last year and the quarterbacks just weren't any good. Um, so, so definitely, um, definitely that is, is fun. And, you know, next year should be exciting as well with, um, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, jr. A lot of really high profile, big names coming out, big stars, uh, so we'll see it's in Detroit. Don't know if I'll be attending that one in person. Um, but, um, it'll be interesting to see what, what the vibe is there and how it differs from, from Kansas city. But overall it was a really fun draft. The Vikings didn't do anything stupid and, uh, yeah, it was a good time. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I think, I think next year there's going to be a lot less smoke, smoke screens, like there was this year, because I think there really is a definitive, maybe not a top five, but there are just like amazing players in Williams, um, uh, Drake, what, sorry, Drake, Drake May. May yep. Yeah, I don't want to say Maine for some reason. Drake May, Marvin Harrison, uh, Brock Bowers, just a lot of just solid players that you can't really contest, like a Will Levis, like an Anthony Richardson. Um, so hopefully there's less of that, because although it was fun, it was very annoying. Like for us to not know who the Texans were going to pick at two, like was it was fun on the but then when they ended up going Stroud, then I was like, okay, it was all this smoke was for nothing. Like like we we spent months talking about who the Texans were gonna take at number two. And I feel like next year we won't have that issue and it'll be a little more fun. We can dissect those stars. So all right. This was fun. Hey, Sam, thanks for coming on the podcast. As always, thanks for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you follow Sam Kuyper Jr. on Flyover Sports. Um, where could they, they find you on substack.flyoversports.com. Am I doing that right? Yep. Sweet. And yeah, and you can find all his draft analysis. I'm sure you've already made your way too early 2024. Draft. not 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 yet we'll we'll see we'll we'll get there when we get there but that certainly has crossed my mind i'll say that how many how many guys do you have right now on your board um i i haven't put together a big board yet i'm t- i'm allowing myself a little bit of time to to digest this draft um look at the <laughs> undrafted free agents um which i will know as a last parting shot the vikings did pretty well with their undrafted free agent signings yeah. So um, Andre True. Andre Carter and Andre Carter. Ivan Pace, two really interesting players. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm giving myself a little bit of a uh, a grace period before I dive into 2024. Well, when you when when you get that going, let us know. We're going to have you back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about that. But make sure you follow him at Flyover Sports. You can follow and subscribe. All those good things, right, Sam? You bet.
Sweet. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for following us um, next week or maybe, yeah, probably next week. Uh, hopefully we'll have Sam back and we're going to dissect what the Chiefs specifically did in the draft as we really just talked about round one. But man, there's a lot of splashes. Um uh, on offensive line, a lot of great things. So stay tuned as we're going to break that down even more. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on uh, Spotify, all the all those things. I'm sure Reese will put in a blurb in there at the very end. But thank you again for following us. We'll see you next time. Go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 